Chapter Nineteen of Babu Jabbergee, B.A. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Asterix. Babu Jabbergee, B.A. by F. Anstey. Chapter Nineteen. Mr. Jabbergee tries a fresh tack. His visit to the India office and sympathetic reception. In my last, I had the honour to report the total non-success of my endeavour to nil my betrothal on plea of astrological objections, and how I was consequentially up the tree of embarrassment. I have since resolved that honesty is my best politics, and have confessed to Miss Mankletoe, in a well-expressed curt letter, that I am only the possessor of a courtesy title, and, so far from rolling on the rosy bed of unlimited rhino, am out of elbows, and dependent upon parental remittances for pin-money. For corroboration of said statements, I begged to refer her politely to my benevolent friend and patron, Honourable Sir Cummerbund, Nevern Square, South Kensington, to whom I simultaneously wrote a private and confidential note, instructing him that, if any young female person was to inquire particulars of my birth, origin, etc., he was to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, especially making it clear that I was neither a tip-top Raja nor a leviathan of filthy lucre. The rest, up to present date, is silence, but I have confident hopes that the manly, straightforward stratagem suggested by my friend young Howard will accomplish the job and procure me the happy release. I am now to pass to a different subject. To wit, a visit I paid some time since to the India office, the why of the wherefore was that, in conversation with the all but inits, I had boasted freely of the credit I was in with certain high-grade India official knobs, who could refuse me nothing, which was hitherto the positive fact, since I had never requested any favour at their hands. But Mrs. Allbutt in it stated that she had heard that the reception soirees at said India office were extremely enjoyable and classy, and inquired whether I possessed sufficient influence to obtain for her tickets of admission to one of these select entertainments. Naturally, I had to reply that I could indubitably do the trick, and would at once proceed to the India office and interview one of the senior clerks who regarded me as his brother. So, after procuring a Whittaker almanac, and hunting up the name of one of the most senior, I cabbed to Whitehall. Inside the entrance I found an attendant sitting at a table, absorbed in reading, who rose and inquired my business, and upon my statement that I desired to see Mr. Breakwater, Esquire, on urgent business, courteously directed me up a marble staircase, at the top of which was a second attendant, also engaged in brown study, for the attendants appeared to be laudably addicted to the cultivation of their minds. He informed me that I should find Mr. Breakwater's room down a certain corridor, and proceeding thither I stopped a clerk who was hurrying along with his hands full of documents, and represented that I had come for an immediate interview with Mr. Breakwater on highly important matters. 
he demanded incredulously whether mr breakwater expected me this elevated my monkey and i retorted haughtily that i was the bosom friend of said mr b who would be overjoyed to receive me and following him into a room i peremptorily demanded that he should inform his master without fail that babu jabaji was there whereupon with the nonchalance of a jack in an office he rang a bell and desired an attendant to usher me to the waiting-room there in a large gloomy apartment surrounded by portraits of english and native big pots i did sit patiently sucking the golden knob of my umbrella for a quarter of an hour until the attendant returned saying that mr breakwater could see me now and presently showed me into the aforesaid private room where behind a large table covered with wicker baskets containing dockets and memoranda et hoc genus omne sat the very gentleman whom i had recently taken for his own underling formerly i should have proffered abject excuses but i am now sufficiently up in british observances to know that the only necessary is a frank and breezy apology so disguising my bashful confusion i said i am awfully sorry that i took you my dear old chap for a common ordinary fellow but remember the proverb that appearances are deceitful and do not reveal a thin skin about a rather natural mistake mr breakwater courteously entreated me not to mention the affair but to state my business briefly accordingly i related how i was a native bengali student at present moving heaven and earth to pass bar exam and my intimate connection with the distinguished bayswater family of the albert innits who were consumed with longing for free tickets to an official soiree i then described the transcendent charms of miss wee wee and my own ardent desire to obtain her grateful recognition by procuring the open sesame for self and friends furthermore i pointed out that as an official in the india office he was in loco parentis to myself and bound to indulge all my reasonable requests and i assured him that if he exhibited generosity on this occasion the entire all but in it family self included would ever prey on the crooked hinges of knees for his temporal and spiritual welfare he heard me benignantly but said he regretted that it was not in his power to oblige me you are not to suppose i said that i am a native tom dick or harry i am a b a of calcutta university and candidate for call to bar in additum i am the literary celebrity being especially retained to jot and tittle for the periodical of punch mr breakwater assured me earnestly that he fully appreciated my many distinguished claims but that he was under an impossibility of granting my petition for an invite to the annual summer soiree owing to the fact that aforesaid festivity was already the fate accompli how is that i exclaimed have i not read in the daily press of a grand durbar to be given shortly in honour of honourable hung chang but that is at the foreign office he objected we have no connection with such a concern the foreign office would be better than nullity i said i will tell you what to do write me a letter to show to the head of the foreign office 
you can state that you have known me intimately for a long time and that i am deserving of patronage hint for instance that it is impolitic to show favouritism to one oriental such as a chinese rather than another and that you will regard any kindness done to me as the personal favour to yourself pitch it strong my respectable sir he however protested that any recommendation from him would be a brutum fulmen you are too modest honoured sir i told him seeing that flattery was requisite but i am not the ignoramus of how highly your character and virtues are esteemed and i can assure you that you are not so contemptible a nonentity as you imagine listen to me i am now to go to the foreign office and shall there assume the liberty of mentioning your distinguished name as a referee with benevolent blandness he accorded me full permission to go where i liked and say anything i chose recommending me warmly to depart immediately seeing him so well disposed i ventured on taking my leave to pat his shoulder in friendly facetiousness and to say it is all right old boy remember i have complete bona fides in your ability to work the oracle for me successfully which rendered him sotto voce with gratification but alack at the foreign office after stating my business and sitting like patience on a monument for two immortal hours i was officially informed that the principal secretary of state for foreign affairs was not in and that all the private and under secretaries were equally invisible this i must respectfully submit is not exactly the correct style to conduct a first-class empire End of chapter nineteen